Alex, just tell me when you want me to. Uh... Uh, 6.30, one minute. Okay. I need to get my camera closer. You look, you look way better in the screen than I do. Oh, of, man. Course, of course, part of that is not technology. Brother, give it up. <laughs> Nobody buys that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I can do about some of it. The technology <laughs> part, maybe I can. Do <laughs> All right, man. You ready for me to get rolling? Go. All right, guys, welcome tonight. We're uh, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I'm glad to be here. And uh, tonight, uh, we're going to try to talk about some uh, things to get you from where you're at to where you want to be. And really talking about in terms of if you've got a condition or you've got some uh, health crisis and you want to figure out how do I get to wellness what are the steps to take? And so by far, my partner in crime here is going to be doing the heavy lifting tonight. And this is much more his wheelhouse than mine. But I'll tell you this, I'm looking forward to not just being able to share with you guys a few things that I've learned over 27 years of practice, but our gentleman here to my left here, Dr. Alex Lloyd is fantastic at getting people uh, cleared of obstacles that are obstructing them from their peak performance. And so I'm going to be the student tonight much more than I'm going to be the teacher. And uh, uh, Alex, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to teach us tonight. So brother, I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to get out my pen and paper and I'm going to start taking notes. I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Tim. But but I've got a beef. I've got a beef to start. Uh oh, okay. When we started this uh, podcast, ladies and gentlemen, several months ago, Dr. Tim Adair, the one and only Tim Adair, the number one doctor in the city, doctor's award, who's who, all that stuff, said, hey, let's do, let's do monochrome. Let's do black, let's do black shirts every night. And ladies and gentlemen, I've been in a black shirt every single night. Now look at Dr. Adair. So Next Alex, I didn't tell you when we started this, I had some color blindness. <laughs> so I am mad. I am mad because because I've been following the rules and okay. Now how ridiculous is that, ladies and gentlemen? Um <laughs> and 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 this is this has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight, really, but sometimes I just die laughing and sometimes I feel like crying when I watch the Democrats and Republicans and everyone like that yelling at each other over differences of opinion. And it's like they hate each other if someone has a difference of opinion. Are Ladies you preparing the crowd tonight for me and you having differences of opinion? Is that what we're doing? Well, we might. But how ridiculous is it? We need to be, we need to be having calm intelligent conversations about things we have disagreements about not hating each other okay so that's my that's my soapbox for tonight okay um this is a little bit in my wheelhouse and i've got to tell you i've been excited about the night because i felt like during nine out of ten of these that i've been like 
the little dude in the corner while the big expert was sharing all these words of wisdom and I didn't have much to offer, okay? So maybe tonight I've got a little bit to offer. And actually what we're talking about tonight is, is actually like a, a one-day workshop, okay? So I'm trying to cram like a day into about 30 minutes. So sometimes when you do that, it's a disaster. So um, I'm hoping and praying this won't be a disaster, but we are going to try to cover a good bit. And here's what I'd like to start with. We probably should have done this the very first night, okay? Because there, there's things that can block your healing, even if you're doing almost everything right, okay? So here's where I want to start. For about four years, I, I traveled around the world and lectured with Dr. Ben Johnson, who was uh, a fairly well-known, famous um, medical doctor. He was a cancer specialist. He was the only medical doctor in the secret and uh, a lot of other stuff like that. Really smart guy, good guy too. And um, one thing that he used to uh, say when we would uh, lecture about the healing codes and things like that is that if you are given an antibiotic and you believe that it will not work, okay, you got that? You're given the correct antibiotic for what you have, but you have a belief, a strong belief that that antibiotic will not work. According to Dr. Ben, and I've had a number of other doctors tell me this, that they agree with this since then, because when he said it was the first time I'd heard it, he said, ladies and gentlemen, it won't work or it will be diminished in, in what it can do and what it can accomplish. Okay, so you don't have to believe it will work. No, you don't have to do that. That, In fact, that might be just a placebo. If you don't know if it'll work or not, that would be more like wishful thinking. But you can't have a belief it won't work. You have to at least be open-minded, okay? So uh, that's kind of a first step. The second step of that is, and this one sounds third grade simple. A lot of you are probably going to roll your eyes when you hear this, but it's absolutely true. You have to want to get better. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, it sounds ridiculous, but a lot of people do not want to get better. It gives them an excuse to complain. It gives them an excuse not to have to work. It gives them a reason to do something they want to do or not do something they don't want to do, or they've just gotten comfortable with it, as crazy as that seems, okay? Or they believe they deserve to be in pain for things they think they've done wrong or whatever, okay? So that's the second step. You have to really, truly want to get better. And if you don't want to get better, it's a long shot that anything's going to work, okay? or at, le at least long term. You may have some short term benefit, but it's probably not going to work long term. Okay, that's the first part I wanted to share with you. The second part, and then I'm going to turn it back to Tim, is what is typically behind 
not wanting to get better or believing it won't work. It's usually one of two things or both. It's typically either a fear of success or a fear of failure, okay? And a fear of success is really um, a fear of change. If, if, if this is successful and I get better or I get this promotion or this thing works out for me, oh my goodness, what, 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 if, what if something that goes along with that success is something I don't want? Like having to work harder or having more people look at me uh, critically and make comments about me as a person when I'd really rather just kind of avoid all that stuff and be out of the limelight or, or, or something like that, okay? So a fear of success is really a fear of change. A fear of failure, on the surface, it seems like a fear of no change, but it's not, okay? It's an illusion. It's also a fear of change, but it's a fear of the wrong change, okay? So it's a fear that, that oh my goodness, what if, what if, um, what if I fail and then I no longer have an excuse for, well, you know, if I'd really had the opportunity, I would have been a great success. I remember one of the lines in uh, Pride and Prejudice, which is one of my favorite books and one of my favorite movies. And um, this really wealthy lady who is uh, royalty and all that sort of thing uh, is talking about how if she had ever had the chance to play the piano, how great she would be. Well, how in the world does she know that? Well, she doesn't know that, okay? So if if she's convinced she would be so superior and incredible and, and one of the world's best, if she had played the piano, then how come she never tried to play? Well, one possible reason is that for the rest of her life now, she can believe herself and tell other people, well, if I had played, I would have been one of the best. And, and maybe she actually believes that too. Maybe even it's true. But if she actually tried and wasn't that great, then it could really knock her self-worth. And, and, and so there's maybe an unconscious thing operating there that says, Oh, maybe not, because I'm not sure I would be that great, but at least I can think I would be, which helps me a little bit in my life. I mean, that sounds crazy, but a lot of this psychological stuff is kind of crazy, okay? So um, those are the couple of things I wanted to share at first. Now, the best stuff is still coming at the end, but let me pause there and turn it over to Tim, who's going to talk a little bit more kind of about the physical and chemical side. Alex, did you just say as a psychologist, some of the psychology stuff's kind of crazy? Did I hear that oh, right? Oh, man. Hey, psychologists are the craziest people in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Brother, you are Probably. so refreshing. You are so refreshing. And, and, and I have to tell you, uh, 
you're not going to sound like the simple guy tonight. That's going to be me. But I, I want to throw some things out. And here's here's some commonsensical overlooked stuff. And so what I want to tell everybody is you don't get well with whatever we're working against by accident. You get well by intent. And so if you're randomly hoping something's going to change, that's probably a terrible idea. And if you're working in an equation and you're going, you know what, I'm going to do something to, to make myself better tomorrow than I was today intentionally, that's what we need. And so my intentionals on a daily basis, uh, and Alex, you know, I always like to give you my little simple stuff here. Read that out loud for me. No matter what. Well, let me let me add something to this. Here's my no matter what, no matter what. Yeah, I, I, I got to be in creative writing, so we're just going to work <laughs> through this here. Okay, so number one, when you go to the emergency room and you go into the emergency room and it doesn't matter if you have hemorrhoids, a headache, hangnails, hill spurs, whatever, if your condition's pretty significant, they're probably going to start an IV. And when you go in and you start an IV, you get your fluids, you get your, you get, it's got water in there, you got all your electrolytes. And so we're looking at, and I'm going to give this at the end. I want everybody to screenshot it when we get this fixed, not now at the end, but dehydration. And so here's the thing. Why would we talk about this as such a simple thing? Well, because 85% of the people, 90% of the people, uh, 95% of the people tonight are, they're watching this right now are severely dehydrated. And so if you take your body weight, divide it by two, and you're not doing that many ounces of water, plus 20 or 25 or 30 more, if it's hot outside or you're exercising or you're sweating or you had diarrhea, you're dehydrated. And the number one thing that they do when you walk in with a condition is they treat, and here's the thing guys, while we're talking about this, dehydration and fixing it is not just water. So, so I've worked volunteer for medical for uh, triathlons and for marathons. You get these men and women that are at the 16th, 18th mile of the run. They start drinking water. They get worse because they have very few electrolytes left in their body. And when they dilute them, their condition worsens. So I like to do like a, uh, and, and, and you guys, uh, let's, let's don't miss the, the forest for the trees. I like to do a like four to one ratio of water to electrolytes. So whatever that means for you, Gatorade, the little packets of IV, whatever, uh, but get your electrolytes in. And so in my office, I always tell everybody, I said, look, I want you to do four waters to every one uh, uh, electrolyte. And I make them hold their hand up. When they get their hand up there, I give them five. <laughs> and uh, that's that's the mindset. So we want to beat dehydration. Now, here's the other thing. Here's another huge biggie. Real simple, but everybody's doing it wrong. When I graduated in uh, 1996 and was preparing for boards, one in 16 Americans was diabetic. Now it is one in six. So we have almost three times the diabetes that we had 25 years ago. Okay? So I'm going to talk about sugar. Now, uh, I had a professor and he was going through the room and it's kind of like being in church when the preacher walks through the aisle and he says, okay, now like who amongst us has sinned, right? He'd say, now what condition relates to sugar? 
and he would point at Alex and Alex would have a great answer and he would point at the next guy and the next lady and the next gentleman. And, and then after all the good answers were gone, you're ducking your head going, oh no, I hope he doesn't call on me. And I got called on for this question. What's related to blood sugar? And, and I, I had a moment of panic when the big chief was standing next to me and I said, sir, everything. And he slapped my desk and he goes, you know what? That's exactly right. When you go to get a CAT scan or you're looking for a tumor and that tumor is like a few cells big and they can't find it with the other uh, radiography, they will give you a, a sugar solution and that sugar will have a radioisotope in it and it will go catch this in 30 minutes, 35 minutes directly to the tumor. Your sugar goes directly to the tumor. Cancer's fed, but and they, and we never talk about this. And then we're talking about okay, well, sugar needs insulin to break it down. And if your liver's breaking down insulin, then you can't make estrogen. You can't make testosterone. There's so many things that go with sugar. Every day, I can be a grown up and I can not become a type two diabetic. I can limit my sugar and I can I can water's free almost. I can do lots and lots of water and get my electrolyte balance. Those are two huge biggies. Now, Alex, we did a thing not too long ago on the number one factor that determines how long you're gonna live. And we said the guy with the highest VO2 max or oxygen is the guy who lives the longest. Now, water is, by the way, this is a little redundant because water is uh, H2, what is it, Alex? H2, Z. P yeah, right. So uh so so if we're staying hydrated, we're kind of accomplishing this. But think about this, ladies and gentlemen, and, and for all the spouses out there that are live with snores, buy breathe right. If you open your nose, if you stay hydrated, by the way, in your blood, if you eat um, maybe more grass-fed beef, you have higher iron. Iron carries oxygen in your bloodstream. If we get more B vitamins, more B9, more B12, we have stronger blood, we have less anemia, we carry more oxygen. And then we have done a whole podcast on, uh, on this one, Alex, and you can already predict what this one's going to say. Guys, we got to get your gut in shape. I don't care if we're talking about a physical manifestation. I don't care if we're talking about a mental, let, let me, Alex, you can, you can find this probably really interesting for every one nerve that goes from your brain to your gut, for every one nerve that goes from top to bottom, there are nine nerves that go from your gut to your brain. So oh. if you want to help yourself with depression, anxiety, you want to help yourself with insomnia, you want to, then you fix your gut. Well, what does that mean? We have a whole podcast on that. Please research that. Uh, so we're rapid fire tonight. So that's the final on my no matter what. These are things you should do every single day. Alex, no matter what. Okay. So stay hydrated, cut your sugar, make sure you get lots of oxygen, do something nice or three things or seven things for your gut every single day. Now, um, uh, I want to uh, get this scratched off here, and we're going to get another really high-tech whiteboard group of information. Alex, in your work, what does the spleen meridian go to emotionally? Well, the biggest one is self-worth. The secondaries are 
trying to vicariously live your life through other people, being overly concerned about something, or we might call that worried hopelessness, uh, feeling a lack of control over your life and events. And uh, one of the biggest ones for me is distrust because trust is so huge, not only for yourself, but other people, God, the world. So trust is in, and what some might call belief or faith is also a big one for that. Well, so here, here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to be much more simple than Dr. Alex on this, but here's the kicker. This is Western medicine and this is Eastern medicine. And I like to catch the intersection of this. And so uh, I have sent through probably 650, 100, uh, 650 hours of acupuncture uh, seminars. And what you'll find out, and I'll, I'll just anybody who's who's uh, on tonight, who's got to take an acupuncture test in the last couple of weeks, if it's a multiple choice question and you don't know the answer and they say, hey, well, what do you do for this or that or whatever? And you don't know. You pick spleen. And here's why. Your spleen makes white blood cells and red blood cells. And what in your body is not related to blood? Well, the answer is nothing. Everything has something to do with your blood flow. So now, emotionally, here's where we got to get. This is Alex's job, not mine. So I'll just point out the problem and let him do all the work. But so we get caught sometimes uh, in a spleen issue. And before I raise it up and reveal what that is, I want to kind of talk about and and uh, and we'll use cancer again as a as a thing. Do you know who all the blood doctors are? They're the cancer doctors because how does cancer spread through your body? Cancer spreads through your body through your blood. And so if we're thinking about well, okay, so the answer always energetically with acupuncture, always it's a good idea to treat the spleen meridian. If we look at how disease spreads through our body, it always runs through our blood. Well, that's a spleen issue too. And if emotionally, spleen is related in my simple mind to self-esteem, then what we have to do is we have to go from self-pity to self-worth, okay? And, and or self-esteem. I really don't like that. Do you, Alex? Self-worth, is that better? I, I think worth is a better term. Now, here's the kicker, guys. Here's the kicker. <laughs> I really respect Alex. I want Alex to like me. I, I almost, almost, not quite, I almost need Alex to respect me, but I really don't. And I really won't. Uh, I would really like for you guys to like me. Uh, if you don't, it's fine. Uh, but, but, but when I look in the mirror, if I don't respect me, yeah. if I don't approve of me, then, then I've got a problem with my spleen function. And so here's the kicker. I want every single person on here to be proud of you. I want you to like you. I want you to love you. And here you might be a problem child like me. It is really, really, really hard for me. Don't date my daughter. Do you know? Do you know how hard it is to get my approval? So, so uh, forget would I approve of, of this person or that? It doesn't matter. Do you approve of you? And for me to approve of me, man, I am so hard to approve of. I, and 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 here's the thing: like Alex doesn't know if I pass gas. 
He doesn't know if I pick my nose. He doesn't know if I have stretch marks. He doesn't know any of those things. I know every single one of those things. I know where all the bodies are buried. I know where all this goes, but I've got to be proud of me. So am I proud of me if I don't do my, no matter what? What if I go and have a terrible, like I have half a birthday cake today and I drink a sweet tea and I walk into you and tell you, you know what? The reason you're not losing weight is because you're not cutting sugar out. What a hypocritical SOB I would be. And I would know that. And so uh, I have got to be proud of me to have self-esteem to make my spleen work so that my blood is strong and that every energetic system in my body is working. So Alex, if that sounds like the craziest thing you've ever heard, uh, I apologize, uh, I really don't, but, but that's okay. Uh, we'll move forward with that. And I want you guys to do whatever you have to do and whatever you have to do is up to you. You might have a really easy sense of approval I don't. And by the way, don't ask what my daughter's phone number is because uh, it's hard to get my approval there. So now, so we're talking about getting well is a mindset. So I want to kind of contemplate how do you set your mind? And, and I'm not talking about a figurative thing here. I'm dead up talking about brainwaves. And so now, Alex, this is not good news for me and it's not good news for you. So I'm going to go ahead and break the bad news to you. The average man in the population now lives to be about 80, 81. The average physician dies about five and a half years before our patients do. And so that might be where all of you guys just get off the podcast right now and go, well, why am I listening to this guy? He's going to die five or six years before I do. You probably should just leave now. But here's why. Here's why. There's something uh, in your brainwaves and there's a really bad country song that was written years ago about Delta, Don, what's that something? Uh, so your brainwaves are Delta while you're asleep. And so before the dawn, you're Delta. I don't need an EEG or a brainwave meter to know you're in Delta. If I hear you snoring, uh, 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 Alex, if I hear you snoring, I know you're in Delta. I, I don't need an EEG. If I catch you working uh, math problems, you're in beta mode. If I catch you looking out the window and you're watching the squirrel when you're supposed to be doing the math problem, you're in theta mode. And theta is that daydreamy, uh, that's real, really where all the good brain activity happens. That's where all great country songs are written. That's where, uh, that's where your, your mind is, is free and you're, uh, you're getting into theta before you fall asleep. It's that uh, really relaxed. So when we go to college for nine, nine and a half years, 10 years, whatever it is, we're in beta mode. We're working calculus equations. We're doing organic chemistry. We're doing linear equations, you know, all those uh, gross anatomy, all those things. We're in beta mode. Well, when you're in beta mode, you ain't in theta. And so when you live less of your life in theta, you have an abbreviated life. So the longer you're in beta, now when we're talking about attention deficit disorder, it's an inversion of beta and theta mode. So we're looking out the window squirrel when we should be doing the algebra problem. So I'm not saying that looking out the window your whole life and going squirrel is better than getting your math homework done. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it's absolutely proven you're healing 
when you're in theta mode. So here's the question. How do we get into theta? And I'm glad you asked. So how we get into theta mode is there's a couple things. And, and as a young man, um, uh, I, I grew up hyper, hyper conservative Southern Baptist. So the answer was always no. And we were experts in hell, but we didn't know much about the other place. And so we thought when you prayed, you were hoping for a yes answer. And if God didn't answer yes to your prayer, he must have not loved you. And you must be the second class person. And the, the real person that he loves is Alex and not me because he didn't, he didn't bring me that Cessna that I prayed for, right? So that's absolutely not correct. I think, and, and this is a world according to me, so this is not, uh, this is not uh, anybody's opinion but my own, but, but I want to share this with you because I really think we're on to something here. I think the benefit and the payoff to prayer or, or the other thing that puts you in theta mode, which is where you heal in meditation, is not do you get your yes answer, but it's the act of doing it. And when you're in the methodology and the process of doing it and your brain waves are in theta, the blessing you get is from the obedient activity you're doing, not the yes answer. So get into theta, whether you are, uh, whatever your philosophical beliefs are, whether that's meditation, whether that's prayer, I'll give you a little secret. You can meditate and pray both. It's okay. That's not breaking a rule. So spend some time every day in theta. And if we have any kids out there, put that math book down and walk away. It's bad for your health. So no, I'm, I'm kidding. Get your homework done. And then um, one of the things I really want to tell you about mindset, um, I was called on uh, spontaneously where I went to school. I like to do this a lot. I like to put us on the spot, see how quick we'd adapt. And I had a professor in my senior year of my residency. He, he handed me a microphone, put me in front of 200 incoming freshmen. And he said, son, tell them over your four years here what would be the most beneficial thing that you could recommend to them that will help them on their journey. And I went, you couldn't give me some notice? Like, I, I couldn't sleep on this? Like, here we go. So I, I sat there for a second, and I guess adrenaline kicked in. I said, you know what? I have noticed that in my uh, years of matriculation here, one of the things that has increased my proficiency is my preparedness. And so physically, I can perform a procedure better when I have mentally read about it longer than the other guy, when I have visualized it, when I have conceived it, and I've spent more and more time mentally preparing for physically doing it, I'm more adept at physically doing it from the mental preparedness. I would tell you when you prepare, when you have set your mind on achieving what you're doing, then your mindset is going to be appropriate to healing. And if you don't, you're, you're hoping for an accident. And if you do, you're counting on an intent. And I guarantee you intentional works better. So that's my, uh, my little bit with this. Now, uh, Alex, I, I think we both appreciate each other's specialties. And um, 
And I, I wish I knew what you do. I still tell you that all the time. I'm sincere about that. I wish I knew all the fantastic things you do. I have to come out here and tell people to drink water because I don't know what you know. But but he, here's what I would tell you. And I would tell you guys this in closing. I want you to talk about in terms of like self-esteem, this and that. We got we to gotta go from a why me? Why do I have to deal with this? To a absolute mentality of try me. Try me, see what I can, however easy it is to keep you down is the measure of your worth. I'm not going to tell you I'm the easiest I've ever been to knock down, probably. You better make sure I stay there, okay? And and I'll tell you this. Uh, the I'll big agree with that. Yeah, well, so so my, my my father paid me a great compliment before he passed. And he he told one of the guys that worked for him, he said, my youngest son, he said, listen, you're going to have to kill him because he ain't going to die. He ain't going to die. And so I want you guys to have that mentality. You're going to refuse to lose. You're absolutely going to refuse to lose. And here's the thing. I want you to refocus, restart, reset. But at the end of the day, Here's the nicest thing Dr. Alex Lloyd ever said about me. He said, I was relentless. And I want you guys to read whatever you have to read, but I want you to get focused on what you want to accomplish. And I want you to be relentless. And when you have that mentality and you have some tools uh, and you get some guidance on uh, how to use those tools with that mentality, I don't believe there's a whole lot that can't be fixed. And so, Alex, that's my little simple spill tonight, and I hope somebody gets some benefit of that. I'm going to turn it back over to you, brother. See, I thought I was going to have more to share tonight than you were, and you just blew me away. Well, you're not done yet. Um, although you may have to, you may have to continue this. I think I've got PTSD from you talking about math and biology from graduate school. Well, uh, we got to hurry up and do it. We're getting old. That was an absolute nightmare for me with my dyslexia and everything. But it's tough. Uh, anyway, anyway, um, and, and by the way, I don't know. Uh, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, famously said, "It's almost impossible to beat someone who'll never quit." That's true, and and, and it's absolutely true. And uh, C.S. Lewis, who is one of the uh, top scholars in the world of Christendom. Uh, of all time, um, when asked about prayer, said, it doesn't change God's mind, it changes mm -hmm. me. And, well, and that's strong. Yeah, and he and he said, that's that's prayer. It, it, it doesn't change God, it changes me. And, and I believe that's true. Okay, uh, really quick, before we have some Q&A, if we have any questions tonight, I wanted to do my second part and it's uh, two sets of three. That To me, there's three psychological, mental, emotional, however you want to look at it, uh, keys to healing. But there's two sets of three, not just one. All right. So here we go with the first set of three. Number one, you have to commit to change. All right. And I mean commit. You've got to jump in the deep end of the pool. Okay, so many people who say, okay, I'm going to get in the shallow end, and then they stick their toes in, and it's cold, 
and and it's like, oh no, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, and I think I've shared this before, but M. Scott Peck, uh, a medical doctor who wrote one of the top selling books of all time called The Road Less Traveled, um, he was talking about change. And he said, anytime you want to make significant change, you have to go through chaos to get there. And chaos means one thing, pain. And he said, whether it's physical or emotional. And he said, based on the studies, now this was 25 years ago, but I don't think it's changed that much. Um, he said, based on the studies, about 90% of people, actually, it's actually 90 plus percent, when they hit pain, they, they think they've decided to change. They've spent some money or they've gone to a seminar, they've gone to see Dr. Tim, and they okay, I'm ready to change. And then they start doing something, but that change inherently at some point along the line typically means pain. Now, it doesn't have to mean like your arms cut off. It can be like, okay, now I've got to start taking these uh, supplements three times a day and I'm not good at routines or I'm not good at, at putting new stuff in or I don't like the way they taste or they're too expensive or, or whatever. Uh, any excuse you can come up with because there are, there's a thousand of them or more, okay? But if you're not fully committed to that change, if you stuck your toe in the water, you're going to get back out before your bathing suit's ever wet, all right? But if you're fully committed and you jump in the deep end, then there's a good chance that when the pain comes, you will be able to stay the course because you've got to go farther to get out of that pool, right? You're in the deep end, not the sticking your toe in, okay? So number one, you have to commit to change. Knowing that pain is going to come before you get to the desired outcome most likely, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, for some severity, and for some length of time, okay? So you need to be prepared for that before you ever start. So number one, commit to change. Number two, when the pain hits, you've got to embrace and hang on for dear life, all right? I am not getting out of the pool no matter what, as Tim said, which was the title of a number one best-selling song by a group called Badfinger in the early 70s. I'm a, I'm a music nut, okay? Um, so that's something none of y'all cared about. But it's true, Paul McCartney actually discovered the group. Uh, and then the lead singer committed suicide when their contract got canceled. It's a weird story. Anyway, sorry about that. Wow. But but anyway, you, number one, you got to commit to change. Number two, when the pain comes, you have to embrace it, at least to the point that you don't turn around and run back, okay? And know that the pain is part of the process. The pain is part of the results that you want. In other words, you might think of it this way. That pain is purchasing for you the desired outcome. You can't get the outcome without it in most cases. All right, so that's one, that's two. Number three, you have to be patient, okay? Um, Dr. Dan Gilbert, 
in a wonderful book called Stumbling into Happiness. He's a medical doctor. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He's a psychologist at Harvard Medical School. And this is original research done on the campus of Harvard over years, became a best-selling book. You see Dr. Gilbert uh, a lot of times today on television. Uh, a lot of times it's like insurance commercials and stuff where he's talking about uh, something related to this study, actually. And I've had some communication with them, with him. He seems like a pretty nice fella, a brilliant fella. But anyway, the result of that study, in his own words, was this. Expectations are a happiness killer. Wow. Hear that? Expectations are a happiness killer. Killer. Now, what he's primarily talking about is instant gratification and 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 taking ownership of a result in the future that you don't have complete control over. And what they found on the campus at Harvard is that when you do that, when you have a goal about a future end result that you don't have complete control over, it puts your brain and nervous system immediately, as soon as you adopt that as a goal, it puts your brain and nervous system into physiological stress. If you're already in stress, it spikes your stress through the roof. For how long? for as long as you have that goal. And in their own research, a lot of us adults have those goals for decades or even our entire adult life, which means I'm putting myself in stress with my goals. Now, what kind of goals are, 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 is he talking about? Because goal setting is huge these days. I mean, just, just Google it. Uh, the self-help world, probably about 50% of it is about goal setting, okay? And and almost all of them are wrong because the, the kind of goals they're telling you to have are future expectation goals. Well, if you're not already in stress, that's going to put you in stress, okay? It, it's a paradox. Okay, so that's the first set of three. It's those crazy psychologists again. Yes, it is. Uh, so, so, so the first set, commit to change, embrace the chaos and the pain. Number three, be patient with delayed gratification and suspend expectation. Have a hope, have a prayer, have a desire, but don't take ownership as an expectation or you're putting yourself into physiological stress. Okay, so let's say you've done all three of those, and now you're ready to actually work on your problem, whether it's a physical problem, an emotional problem, whatever. But I'm not talking about addressing it with chemicals or with a structural correction like Tim does. I'm talking about addressing it with that mind attitude set that Tim was talking about, or using the healing codes or trilogy or uh, EFT or some intervention. Hey, Alex, does the yeah. healing codes put you in theta? I think they either put you in theta or alpha, one of the two. Okay. 
Well, you yeah. can be you can be an alpha at simultaneous to any of the brain waves. That's right. That's yeah. right. So yeah, I think they put you at least in alpha and maybe and maybe theta. All right. So let's say you've done that. You've committed. You're ready for the pain. You're going to embrace it. You're you're you, you suspended expectation and and wrong goals, stress goals. I call them. Now you're ready to work. All right. So what do you need to do? All right. Here's something I've never heard anyone else say, and it took me so many years to figure this out, okay? If you're wanting to really change something where you have a psychological, emotional, or an unconscious programming thing that is that is either blocking that or making it harder, you have to address that problem from three separate angles. Three, all right. The first one, is what I call the habit addiction, okay? And almost everything we do that's negative or, or that we don't do because of some fear or it's too hard or I can't, or, or it costs too much or, or whatever, just about everything that we want to change that's behavioral is, works pretty much the same way as a habit or an addiction. So the first way you have to address it is as either a habit to keep doing what you're not doing, which is sort of the definition of insanity, or to embrace the change and the pain and chaos that can come from that to get to a new outcome or a new reality in your life. So number one, you have to address that as a habit or addiction that you are participating with, that you want to stop participating with or develop a new habit that'll be a positive one rather than a negative one. So that's number one. Number two, you have to address it as the thing itself. So if it's if it's uh, you drink too much, then you have to address drinking or alcoholism. If it's smoking, you have to address smoking. If it's... Um, Procrastinating, you have to address procrastination. If it's lying, which is, uh, believe it or not, so many people lie these days when the truth would really work better, <laughs> okay? They've just gotten in the habit of, of, of saying stuff that's not true. It usually started as a kid. Or in, or in middle school or something like that, when you're trying to impress people and hide things that, you know, you don't want other people to know about, like Tim's stretch marks and all that stuff. Um, okay, so number two is the thing itself. It can be anger. It can be self-worth, whatever it is. So the first one, habit or addiction. The second one, the thing itself. And the third one, the last one, is your desire for that thing if it is a negative or your desire to not do that thing if it's a positive, like exercise or drinking plenty of water or cutting out as much sugar. How many, tell me, that when, when Tim talks about reducing or cutting out sugar, does that sound like fun? It doesn't to me, okay? I like my Dr. Pepper. I like I like my white bread. I like stuff like that sometimes, okay? But but okay, it's not fun, but you know what? 
the being healthy, the being healthier and not getting diabetes or or snoring or that sort of thing, that will be fun. I guarantee you the outcome will be fun, okay? But it doesn't sound like fun. So the third thing you have to, to do is address the desire to keep doing the negative or your desire to not do, I'd rather not do that, the positive. And typically, if you address one of the, if you address it from one angle, won't work. Two angles won't work. All three, it works. So that's my two sets of three. One is sort of the foundation and the setup. The second one is the actual intervention and work and the attitude you have to have and the things you have to do in order to change your mindset, change your attitude, which can change the physiology of your body. It can change you from a beta brainwave state, which is stress, to a theta or alpha partial or, or brainwave state, which is non-stress, um, and change can actually happen, okay? So um, the, that's, that's what I wanted to share. And so you got to want it. You got to um, believe it's, it's, it's you, you don't have to believe it will work, but you can't believe it won't work or you'll end up blocking it. Uh, your unconscious mind is unbelievably powerful, a million times more powerful than your conscious intention. So if your unconscious mind says, uh-uh, that ain't going to happen, then you've got to change that unconscious belief before you're going to be able to do it in most cases, which absolutely can happen. It happens all the time, okay? So um, to me, these are some of the secrets from getting from where you are to where you want to be that I typically don't hear psychologists talking about. I don't typically hear anybody talking about. Uh, what they tend to talk about is set an, a stress goal and stick with it no matter what, which basically means you're sticking with creating your own stress for the rest of your life. Well, that really is the definition of insanity, big time. And, and that's about 90% of the advice out there. It's wrong. And we've got the research that proves it's wrong. In fact, in fact, what'll help you heal is pretty much the opposite of that. So anyway. Uh, well, Alex, that's refreshing, man. And I have to tell you, it's uh, so transparent when you talk about the field of psychology and why you just choose blatantly not to do the status quo and that that's why you're changing people's lives, man, because you're doing the opposite of the thing that doesn't work. And it's in my world, too. So a lot of chiropractors are trying to fix you for 48 hours. So that's 72 hours. You need to see them. Um, I see my average patient every four or five weeks. What's this three times a week stuff? So if you have to see me three times a week, I need to be better. And so yeah, and the average psychologist see someone once a week for on average, about three years, unless they quit the therapy before it's done. And at the end of three years, they've still got their problem, according to the research. Yeah. How crazy is that? It's crazy psychologists, but but there's crazy chiropractors too, brother, I guarantee you. But here's the, here's the nice thing, guys, and we're not at all diminishing anybody's issue. We're not saying this works for whatever issue. 
this is a mindset to get over every and any issue. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times when you, you talk about how you eat an elephant, <laughs> well, uh, get out your fork, but don't forget your knife. And so you got to just take a bite and then take another bite and you don't get TMJ. You're going to have to do a lot of chewing, but eventually we'll get that elephant. And so, uh, but these are the, these are the ways that you take your bites. And, uh, I think that uh, what we kind of laid out here from somebody who's practiced uh, 23, 24 years, Alex, and in my case, almost 27, uh, this is 60 years of, uh, you know, what we see uh, that gets people. And, and I have to tell you, I've been more inspired in practice than I have ever inspired in practice. And I see brave people who show up with terrible things and it's it's so rewarding to see them beat it, and so it's uh it's energizing to see somebody with the mindset of you know tell me what to do, and they accomplish their goals, and so that's what I want with for you guys. And uh, you got some great tips uh, from a not crazy psychologist, and uh, ho hopefully some some of the things that uh, I added to the mix. Uh, Tim got a question here for you. Yes. Sir. Uh, uh, I love the, th uh, I love, I love the idea of being relentless. I've got chronic fatigue and have been exhausted for 20 years. How do I be relentless when I'm exhausted? What's what a great question. And, and let me just say this. Uh, I don't allow that E word in my practice. And so we don't, we don't, we don't use, I'm tired. We don't use I'm fatigued. We don't use I'm exhausted. And it's not because it's not real. It's because it, you can't win. So I, Confucius say the only way to win a fight is not to get in one. I say the only way to win a fight is hit them first. But, but he, he, here's the thing. When somebody tells me they're exhausted, what are they really saying? Are they saying I have a low thyroid? Yeah. Are they saying I have exhaustion in my adrenal gland? Are they saying I have malabsorption syndrome in my gut and all the nutrients that give me lots of energy? I can't absorb because I had too many antibiotics and now I have a, a leaky gut issue. Or is it my favorite letter on the multiple choice test? Is it letter E? Letter E, Alex, is all the above. So uh, in, in, in my world, we would test the glands. Now, I will tell you this. I'm always tired after I misbehave with carbohydrates and have an insulin dump. I, I, if I'm exhausted and I'm dehydrated uh, and I get more H2, what was it, Alex? What was that thing? H2. Oh, your body's like a hot rod, guys. If you're sitting at the red light and we're pumping the gas and we shove the accelerator to the floor and it won't, it just bogs out. You need to change your air filter. You've got to have oxygen in a hot rod to make the spark go, but you have to have oxygen in your body to make the spark go. Can you increase your oxygen? Can you increase your water? Can you decrease your sugar? Can you increase your thyroid? Can you make your adrenal glands uh, stronger? Alex, we're going to have to do a podcast on thyroid. We've done one on adrenals. We talked about VO2 max. We've talked about the gut. What about iron in your blood? What if you did all these things at the same time? Can you beat exhaustion? I think you can seven times over. Cool. Okay, question for me here. Um, I know I have fear of failure. Yeah, me too. Um, how do I know if it's about not having an excuse or not? 
Well, uh, yeah, the what I what I'd originally said on that uh, a few minutes ago was that fear of failure seems like it's a fear of not changing, but it's really not. It's a fear of the wrong kind of change. Okay. And and one of those factors, one of those wrong kinds of change will be that it will take away my excuses. And and some of those, some of the time that excuse is to myself. I'm fooling myself. I want to believe that I could have been number one tennis. I, I went to college on a tennis scholarship. So I want to believe, yeah, if I just had the right coaches and had just worked harder and developed my backhand a little bit more, I could have been a pro tennis player. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't really think that's true. I did, I did at another time in my life, but I think I was fooling myself, okay? I think I wanted to believe that, but it really wasn't true. Now, I think I am decent at, at what I do today, which is what I did instead of being a pro tennis player. I, I would have been a pro tennis player if I could have, okay? That would have been my first choice. But you know what? I love what I do today. I think I love it more than I would have liked being a tennis player. And for sure, I wouldn't still be playing, okay? So, um I think some of that is just gut feeling. But the other important thing here is, is if you have that thing, uh, a fear of success or a fear of failure, I'm not saying change that with your willpower, okay? I just said it a, mi a minute ago. Your unconscious is a million times more powerful than your conscious intention. You probably can't change it with your willpower, at least a lot of us, maybe one out of 10. So you need... The healing codes or trilogy or or EFT or some of these other great techniques that are out here. Mine aren't the only ones. There's some other great ones too. You need uh, uh, Tim and I both started on a book that was called Freedom from Fear Forever. Mm -hmm. That was where I started in all this Thank stuff. You. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a great resource too. So I'm not saying you have to use my intervention, but you probably for most of us will have to use some intervention to change that in your unconscious because it's just way more powerful than your conscious intention. So that's something to be aware of, but you may need a tool to help change that psychologically. And, and Alex, a little comment on that too, is the only way that you can absolutely lose that war is to do nothing. Yeah. And that's that definition of insanity again. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's all the questions we have right now. If you have a question, we'll give you a minute more. Um, we're, we've got two minutes from close time. Tim, uh, any last words from you? So, yeah, I would just say that, uh, you know, guys realize that uh, there's two motivators on planet Earth. One is pleasure. I sure would like for everything to feel good. I would like for everything to be easy. I'd like to walk in the sunshine every day. That'd be fantastic. But I promise you the better motivator is pain. And so if I'm uncomfortable, uh, I'm going to do more than I would do to get out of pain than I will do to get towards comfort. And when you're in that, one of the big things that people can't see, me included, is I, I my biggest struggle of my adult life 
uh, health-wise, has been really severe headaches. And it came from a, a injury that uh, 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 I had long ago and was uh, acquired. And so, uh, but if I would have never had that, I would have never developed techniques to become a headache doctor and help hundreds and thousands of people with their chronic headaches. And so sometimes the pain that you're in is actually a blessing and there's no way you would matriculate. You only grow when you're uncomfortable. And so embrace the fact that there's some discomfort there and think possibly that, yeah, it's going to be a big bump, but it's because it's always a big bump when the tires touch down the runway to roll out and uh, get to where you're going. And so it's just part of the destination. So that would be my two cents. And uh, just work your steps to make the journey. Tim, I knew a guy growing up um, who uh, became, uh, went into the FBI and was a career guy for 30 years in the FBI. And we went to lunch one day after he had retired. And I said, okay, what'd you learn in the FBI? <laughs> he said, two things. Number one, everybody lies. <laughs> Number two, people don't change. Okay. Wow. Now, wow. The research on people changing is that you can change. It is possible. And he and he acknowledged that. Okay, yeah, one in a hundred, one in a thousand. Wow. Wow. But it's very, very rare. But but the research on change, and, and some of you probably heard this, is that the easiest time to change is when you hit bottom. <laughs> Why? Because it's so painful, you have nothing to lose. Yeah, don't say that. Yeah, yeah. So think about that this week, okay? Uh, I might actually change this thing that I can't ever seem to change, even though I've started it a hundred times. Well, if you know what? You know how you could really change that? If you had enough pain, you would change it, okay? So I, I a, a thousand percent agree with Tim Pain can be your friend. It can be the thing that 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 inspires you to grow and change and be willing to to jump in the deep end of that pool, to brave the fear of success or fear of failure and and the and the chaos you have to get through to get to a desired outcome and change life. So um, anyway, I hope that is beneficial. Um, I will tell you that I've seen so many people try to change and they violated these principles and they couldn't change, okay? So uh, try it. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Is Alex, last things. I just want everybody to, to do two things and action steps. I want you to do whatever you have to do to be proud of you because that is absolutely fundamental. Amen. And then two... I want you to be relentless. And so you take whatever tips we gave you and you be proud of you and you be relentless. And uh, we encourage you to uh, focus on that, on your path to, to wellness. And uh, I hope I hope this was some benefit to uh, everybody tonight and uh, ho hopes it helps. And uh, Alex, I always enjoy being with you, man, and learning from you. And uh, I appreciate uh, everything you bring. And I want you to watch out for those crazy psychologists and uh, I look forward to us doing it again here soon.
You know how I feel about you, Tim? I had a professor in college who used to say, if you knew everything that I knew, your head would just explode. explode. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about you. I feel like if I knew what you knew, my head would explode. But Maybe it's anyway, I'm glad, we'll you, I'm glad it. you know it. <laughs> well, Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you guys. Bye. Love you. Have a great Bye -bye. evening.